0: So to begin today, I'd like to start with a survey. Um, if you guys would help me out, um, it'll help lay the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. So raise your hand if you have parents who are divorced. Keep your hands raised. Raise your hand if someone in your family is divorced. Okay, raise your hand if you know someone who's divorced. That's what I was hoping would happen. So as you can see, every single person in the room has been impacted by the reality and the brokenness of divorce. In the United States alone, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. If it's your second marriage, that rate goes up to 60%. And if it's the third marriage, it spikes all the way to 72%. Broken marriages are commonplace in our culture and in our own spheres. Not only broken marriages, but broken relationships. We all know this from experience, each in our own lives. We could think of a handful of relationships that, quite frankly, are broken. But there may be a relationship in which you have yet to consider. And before we go there, I want to set the stage for the passage we are going to look at today. So turn with your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 21. As you turn, turn there, I'll lay the context of the passage. So the letter of 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to a broken, sinful, and and rather messed up people who needed to be reminded of the truths of God. The church in Corinth had big problems. The world, the flesh, and Satan were pulling this community in every direction but towards God. There were false teachers coming into the congregation trying to discredit Paul, his ministry, and lead his people astray. This coupled with the Corinthians own pride and disunity often made them look more like pagans than redeemed Christians. And in light of this, Paul aims in this letter to assure them of his ministry and also remind them of the message he taught them. So what is this message? It's the message of reconciliation. Let's hear from God's word so we too can be reminded and urged to believe the message of reconciliation. So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5.16. not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord which does not and cannot fail. So, reconciliation. What is it? In these six verses, we see the root word reconcile used five different times. Christ reconciled us, the ministry of reconciliation, God was reconciling, the message of reconciliation, and be reconciled to God. A term or a definition of reconciliation is to restore harmony and friendship between two entities that were formerly divided. So in light of this passage and what it means to be reconciled, The question I want you to consider today is, are you reconciled to God? Your sin, your brokenness, your guilt, sever your relationship with a perfectly holy God, but through Jesus, you can be reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians 5, we find answers to these three questions about reconciliation. First, What happens to those who are reconciled to God? Secondly, who does the reconciling? And third, how does reconciliation happen? So first, what happens to those who are reconciled to God? In verse 17, we get our answer. Those who are reconciled to God are new creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those who are in Christ are totally and completely new people. Those who are in Christ have a new nature, a new identity, a new family, a new record, and a new father. It's as though your life has started over. You no longer are defined and identified by your first birth in Adam, but by your new birth in Christ. For the Christian, the new creation life ought to look different from your former life. The sins you used to love, you should begin to hate. And the God in which you used to ignore, you should begin to desire. Turn in your Bibles to to Galatians 5. I'll help you see this contrast. In this passage, we'll see the old self versus the new self. The old creation versus the new creation. And the flesh versus the spirit. These are the works that define the old creation. These are the works that define the old self. These are the works that define the flesh. But in contrast, the new self who walks according to the Spirit bears the fruit of the Spirit. Look back at Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation with a new identity and with new God-glorifying fruit. If you are reconciled to God through Jesus, you are a new creation. So, if that is what happens when you're reconciled to God, who does the reconciling? Turn back to 2 Corinthians 5 with me. And look at verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself, reconciles us to himself. Verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. God is the one who brings reconciliation. He has done the work. He is the one mighty to save, yet we'd rather find our own way. The natural human response is to try to reconcile ourselves to God through our own works, through our own virtue, and by our own righteousness. A recent poll done by Eternal Perspective Ministries found this. They surveyed Americans, and for every one American who believes he or she is going to hell, there are 120 Americans who believe they're going to heaven. That's, that's staggering. And I bet you if you asked 120, why do you think you're going to heaven? I bet 90% would say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I've never killed anyone. I've never robbed a bank. I mean... I'm not perfect, but I'm no Hitler. I'm sure God will accept me. He'll forgive me. Friends, don't let this be your answer. Forsake your pitiful attempts to, to try to reconcile yourself to God through your own good works. But look to God for reconciliation. Thankfully for you and for me, God is not a reluctant savior. God is not a reluctant reconciler. He wants to restore your relationship. John 3 16 tells us for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners Christ died for us. God is a reconciler willing to forgive the sinner who repents and turns to him. But this raises a huge question. How can God be both just and the justifier of sinners? If God were to just pass over sin and forgive it, he would cease to be just. Think of me for a moment as a judge. I stand here, a criminal walks in. This criminal had just went to an elementary school and murdered three innocent children. He comes to the stand and says, here's how I did it, here's the weapons I used, but I'm here to make a full confession of my crime. All the evidence and the witnesses confirm his confession, and the criminal says to me as judge, I'm really sorry I did that. I'm sorry I killed those children. I won't do it again. Could you please forgive me? As a judge, if I were to say, of course I forgive you. I feel compassion towards you, and love towards you. Go free. I wouldn't be a judge very long, would I? Why? Because I'm not just. The crime demands justice. Your sin demands justice. So we have a problem. It doesn't matter what particular brand of sin you prefer, pride, lust, sexual immorality, greed, jealousy, anger, envy, drunkenness, whatever it is, we're all sinners every last one of us no matter what your name is or where you were born who your parents are or what sport you play we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and the earnings the wages for such rebellion is death god's holy justice demands that every single sin that has ever been committed be punished and will be punished in one of two ways either on the sinner in eternal hell we're on a substitute. So how can God be both just and the justifier of sinners? How does reconciliation really happen? By substitution. Look at 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, being rich in mercy, sent a substitute. The Father sent his only Son, Jesus, to be our substitute. God made Jesus sin on our behalf. On the the cross, God treated Jesus as if he was a sinner. On the cross, God places all our sin on Jesus, and every one of them is extinguished on the cross. Isaiah 53.5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. But friends, that is not all that happened. Again, look at verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. And look at this. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only does Christ take our sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west, but he also gives us his perfect righteousness. In him, we become the righteousness of God. We are given Christ's perfect life. John MacArthur says this. Let me put it plainly. On the cross, God treated Jesus as though he had lived your life. And now God treats you as though you had lived his. Friends, this is the heart of the gospel. This is the grand and glorious good news. This is what Martin Luther called the great exchange. An illustration that might help this truth sink in is, it's kind of silly, but has anyone seen the show Pawn Stars? Yes. So, imagine I go into the pawn shop. Okay, some of you are like, he just went from the gospel to the pawn shop. Just give me a minute. So, imagine I go into the pawn shop and I go to the counter, and Chum Lee comes up to me and I tell him, I want to make an exchange today. He says, Well, what do you have? So, I reach in my pocket and I pull out this ball of lint. So he takes out his magnifying glass and examines the ball of lint and the hairs in which I pulled out of the laundry room at the apartment. (laughs) And he's he's looking at me kind of sleepy eyed because that's how Chumley looks. And then he says, let me go get the old man and see what he says. So he gets gets the old man. And after the old man examines the lint ball, he says, James, I'll strike you a deal. $10 million for your lint ball. $10 million. So then after that, I ran around the pawn shop screaming for joy and I said, Sir, you've got a deal. I know it's kind of a silly illustration, but I think it gets the point across. If someone gave you this kind of deal, you'd laugh at them and say, That is absurd. Well, how much more absurd is the deal of the gospel? Our sin is in exchange for Christ's perfect righteousness. Now as God looks at the sinner, he does not see his sin, guilt, or shame, but sees Christ's righteousness. Therefore, Paul can rightly say in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. Now two closing remarks. First, if you're here today and this sounds too good to be true, well, that's because it is. The free gift of God is reconciliation through Jesus Christ. God's command to you is to turn from your sin and trust in the substitutionary life and death of Jesus. God's promise to those who do is restored relationship with him and everlasting life. To be sure, though, new life in Christ is not perfect Or easy. It won't make you jump higher, run faster, or score more touchdowns. From an earthly perspective, it will be harder. You may lose friendships, you may lose relationships with family. And for some, it even costs them their life. But what is sure is that your sins will be forgiven, you will be given a perfect righteousness, you will have a relationship with your Creator, and you will be given everlasting life with him. Those who are reconciled to God have Jesus. And friends, that's enough. Secondly, there is a reminder to those who have been reconciled to God. Everything has changed, including the way we see people. Look again at 2 Corinthians five sixteen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Since we no longer see Christ as a mere man, we no longer see anyone as a mere man. We know that every person has an eternal soul and that unless reconciled to God, they will be justly punished in hell. We now see that they desperately need to be reconciled to their Creator. So how does God make his appeal for reconciliation to the world? How does God make his appeal to reconciliation to the lost? Friends, it's through us. Look at verse 18. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. God entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. If you have been reconciled to God, you are now commissioned as his ambassadors, as his representatives, to share the message of reconciliation to all people. Telling them that through Jesus, they can be reconciled to God. That through Jesus, they can be new creations. That God alone has made a way for reconciliation. And that God has done it through the substitute, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. We thank you for the message of reconciliation. That through Jesus' perfect life and his death, that we can be reconciled to you by trusting and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And how that frees us um, from the chains of our sin, from the chains of legalism, from the chains of moralism. We are free in Christ and in right relationship with you. Remind us today of our salvation, and please call your sheep into the fold. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.